Hey, Kevin, you know what they say about blind prostitutes? No, I don't. Well, you got to hand it to them. Yes, today we pay tribute to the great Fred Willard. Also, four vets today travel back to Vietnam, and two teens hear mysterious sounds in the 1950s. Plus, we're going to do some kung fu. Kung fu? Kung who? They actually called it gung fu. That's right. I, I, I didn't know that. Gung fu. Yeah. So we had promised that we would do a 100% music episode, but we had so much to talk about that we had to split them into two, so we did episode eight, which is all music, and now we're here on episode nine, all in one weekend. Well, you can't stop the tidal wave that is Netflix, and then when all the platforms decide they're going to make all this great content available, you, you just you're gonna you have to really. Uh, respond accordingly yes so here you have it episode nine we got a lot of picks plus a little bit of a tribute to fred willard but uh first what do you say we talk about some music news music news no let's, let's talk about no let's not do that let's just uh <laughs> first what do you say we talk what are you about? kurt loader now <laughs> <laughs> first let's talk about <laughs> entertainment news <laughs> this is sure. what i meant to say okay Tabitha Sorum with your news update. Did you hear what show is canceled? Ooh. No, I just heard that Spike Lee got in trouble for uh, making a critical comment about the cancellation culture or something. Yeah. Did you see that? I don't yeah. think he'd be probably very critical about this show being canceled. It's been on for 30 years, which I oh. honestly did not know it was still being produced. Cops. Oh, that's right. I did I hear mean, about that. I mean, what's you going to do? Is canceled, and, and yeah. obviously it's been canceled because of what's going on in the world with uh, race relations right now, and it has been criticized many times over the years for um, portraying blacks differently than whites and in uh, the incorrect proportion from whites. So, so thirty years, and I'm pretty sure the theme song hasn't changed. No, so apparently not. You know, I honestly have not seen it for probably twenty five years. So the guys in Inner Circle, the band that uh, cranked out What You Gonna Do, <laughs> they're probably a little pissed, right? I mean, that's some serious royalty that, checks, right? That's true. That's true about that. But, you know, the weird thing about it for me is I've always, every time I hear anything about that show, Cops, I mm. picture a shirtless, balding, white guy. <laughs> me too. Running actually, from the pot. Yeah. And maybe that's because he was in the opening credits or something every episode back when we watched it. Well, yeah, I mean, given the... What's happening right now? You could just say that 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 show just has a habit of of just add just throwing more and more logs on the fire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I I seriously don't think we need to see any more, uh, you know, white or black or any color shirtless men being tackled to the ground in this day and age. I think thirty years was quite enough of that. Yeah. I, it seems like it it's it falls into that some somewhat of that same genre of like Jerry Springer. It's like a weed that you just can you can't kill because there's this audience that just <laughs> likes this junk yeah. and will continue to watch it. Or these stations or networks they they've got to put things. There's only so many infomercials out there, so we got to slap some episodes of Cops in there to have full 24 hours of programming. Yeah, and there's another cop show called Live PD on A and E's channel, which is one of their top 
rated shows. That's also been canceled now. I, I've never even heard of that one. But uh, you know, yeah, me neither. These get big viewers. Yeah, I mean, they ha- well, clearly, if there's more than one, there's there's people that have time on their hands to to watch this yeah. stuff. So apparently, the news is not enough. Well, but you know what? Look no further. I mean, this it's not an exact comparison, but um, you know, Tiger King was super popular, Jeff. I mean, people love to watch crap. Yep. Uh, but something that's not crap, Gone with the Wind, also canceled on HBO Max. Yeah, and I have to confess, I've not seen that. I've really never seen it all the way through, so I can't speak to it as thoroughly as you. But, I haven't but... seen it in years. I, I don't think I can talk about it thoroughly. But, I, I mean, to me, this is, I mean, I even heard Hattie McDaniel quoted once as saying, I'd rather get paid 12 bucks a week to play a maid than to be a maid. And, mm. you know, it, it, it's not exactly something that uh, is surprising to see a black person serving people in the South in, right. in that day right. and age. Um, and that's that's the kind of cancel culture that I question because it's like, OK, this is, you know, not an historical movie, also about a historical time. It's portraying something that happened, you know, um, and right. if, if that movie were made today, I don't know if they, the portrayal of the black characters would be uh, shown differently, probably would. But still, you know, and I think HBO Max has said it'll they'll probably bring it back sometime, but maybe with some kind of proper perspective or framing mechanism like, you know, an announcement or a disclaimer or something. So yeah, I think that's the key is it's it's figuring out a way to frame it. Right. So that it's I mean because it's it's beloved, it's considered one of the great cinematic achievements, I guess, in in the history of movies. But it has these elements that probably need to be given more appropriate context. Other than being canceled because of uh, race relations, we also don't forget have a pandemic going, and they've decided to full-on cancel Coachella and Stagecoach this year. It was originally rescheduled for October, but now done and gone. Broadway and a lot of plays are thinking about just throwing in the towel for the rest of the year just because we we just don't know uh, when any kind of uh, surge of cases are going to come back. So more and more things canceled. Well, related, and of course, you know, related to one of the news items of the week was what a college campus is going to look like when we get into the fall. Right. And uh, saw a news story today about how college campuses are going to be opening up early to try to get ahead of the game, so to speak, because the anticipation is that wave two of COVID-19 is going to be somewhere in that November, uh, December range. And they're actually going to try to start the fall semester early be done before then think about the entertainment world trying to fit some kind of a peak season into that tiny little window right yeah they can't really gauge when to do it during the summer but it's got it's pretty much got to be um it's got to happen and, and achieve some kind of results before we get into the roughly thanksgiving yeah which you know, in the entertainment world, think about the Oscars. That's when that's when you just start turning the page on all the nominated movies, all the movies that are likely to be either nominated for Best Picture or have the performers nominated for the acting category. Yeah, and the also the uh, the requirement that they they must play in theaters, I imagine, is going to be eliminated this year, um, or at least relaxed significantly, since there's no theaters to play movies on. And we're reviewing a movie this uh, episode. Spike Lee's new movie that uh, definitely should be up for some Oscar consideration, and it's not playing in theaters, not planning to. Is there a scenario where these studios might look to Netflix and say, well, okay, this viewing habit is there, streaming has really taken off, maybe instead of a theater experience, we can at least 
somehow cut a deal where these where, where we see some numbers well just about uh, every studio in existence is trying to work on their own t streaming platform of, of some mm -hmm. sort either they own one or they're working on getting one so netflix is pretty much just doing their own thing and then they acquire okay. they acquire movies too but you know Spike Lee went to Netflix to get this done. So that's what's happening now. So the big studios, they're still making them and they're just doing them on pay-per-view for now. Every episode we've talked a little bit about Tenant. <laughs> right. The big movie. Here's, your update. Here's, our, here's our Tenant update. In fact, I should have a music cue for this Tenant update. But right. anyway, uh, I'll work on that next time. It has now been pushed two weeks to July 31st. So they still are getting it in July. <laughs> um, wow. And actually the position it held... Uh, from July 17th, they're going to actually air uh, the movie Inception. They're going to no. screen that in theaters for a couple of weeks and leading up to Tenet. So this means now that Mulan will be the big uh, movie premiere for theater reopenings, and that's scheduled for July 24th. So this is the plan now. Mulan, July 24th, Tenet, July 31st. Let's hope we can stick to that because everyone's starting to open up now, but there are cases mm. spiking everywhere, so never know how it's going to go, you know? Well, yeah, you, you, just as you say that, this this was the week where the great state of Oregon tapped the brakes and everything's on hold again. So. I, I know, and uh, I was so proud of Oregon for, for weeks that I thought we were handling things well, and then suddenly you hear, oh my gosh, we're spiking. Our cases are spiking, like the highest number of cases added in a day was just like a week or two ago and you know in june jokingly we became a red state jeff <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> just a joke right yes <laughs> um so so uh, we did lose another uh, great in entertainment uh, a couple weeks ago fred willard of the great christopher guest movies as well as the fernwood tonight from the 70s is gone and we are going to bring on a guest mr bob fuller hey bob how are you Hey, good, Jeff. Thanks for coming on the show. This is actually the first time we're doing any kind of video for the podcast. Well, good. And, uh, and we've can... chosen your mug to get us all into it. Oh, that's 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 very sad, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, you're 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 tr you're setting a trend here, Bob. So we yeah. could, we could we we frankly couldn't think of a better person to kick this off than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. But we wanted to bring you on because uh, as we can see behind you, uh -huh. um, the younger version of yourself, if you move, yeah, there you are. There we go. <laughs> Sitting next to uh, the, the late Fred Willard. Back when he yes. wasn't late, he was early. Uh, no, he but... was very much alive that day. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you actually have a connection to him, uh, and also you're one of the funniest guys I know, so it's oh. uh, great to have you on to talk about one of the funniest uh, performers I know. Yeah, thanks for uh, overselling me. <laughs> it's always good. Oh, people are going to hear a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. find out that I'm just a regular funny guy, not a really funny guy. Hey, everybody. So, yeah, set the bar high. Bob's going to tell Thank a joke. You. Set the bar way up for you now. <laughs> so, Probably yeah, tell guy. us about when you did know uh, Mr. Willard. Well, uh, this was from the pictures from the Roseanne show. Um, this was from 1996. It was the uh, uh, Thanksgiving episode. And Roseanne had taken a liking to me because I was a production assistant on the show. And she thought I was funny. And so... Uh, <laughs> See, she, she thought you me... were funny, too. It's, you know, it's, she did. It's universal. Uh, but she's also crazy. Well, so hmm. you, you don't know. Yeah, that was um, true. But uh, so I got parts on the show. And then um, uh, she wanted all of the parts that I played to be extremely gay. And so uh, I played a flight attendant once. I played uh, 
uh, my first uh, when when Fred Willard's character married Martin Mull's character on the show in a, an episode called uh, December Ride. Um, uh, she wanted me to be a gay guest at the gay wedding. And she wanted me, I think, to be the gayest guest at, <laughs> at that wedding. wedding. Yeah. And uh, they mercifully cut my part out. But while I was, uh, I made them laugh while I, I, I improvised pretty much the part. Uh, <laughs> there was a script that was uh, handed to me. And, uh, and she, Roseanne said, just be really gay. And, uh, <laughs> and so I thought, oh, this is going to take some doing. But, um, so but that, anyway. that was before this episode behind you? Um, that was before this episode. This okay. was an episode called Home is Where the Afghan Is. I play uh, the gay caterer uh, uh-huh. at their last Thanksgiving after the family uh, became rich. Hmm. So how did it go? How did, how did your uh, scene in the episode go? Well, I had a couple scenes. I was in the show, and then some point uh, before we shot the show in front of the audience, uh, they didn't have uh, a, a little bit to do over the, the credits. Um, and then, of course, Martin and Fred are amazing improvisers, and Martin Mull asked me if I wanted to improvise a scene with them. Wow. And so it was shocking to me. I just I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't wow. imagine anything more exciting in my life. You know, I... They uh, they were on Firmwood tonight, and so this I was pr- pretty much the last person on the couch with them. Uh, it was my Firmwood tonight moment, and uh, so we. Uh, I had no real experience with improvising, uh, but you know, I I just went along with it, and uh, we sat on the couch for six minutes, and they took uh, you know like thirty seconds out of that for the credits at the end of the show. Um, but they were just both, and Fred couldn't have been nicer. Martin, of course, couldn't have been nicer, um, and very generous. And they they set me up for the line that turned out to be the the last line of the show, uh, yeah. um, which was which was fun. It, it just, I, I just, I still can't believe that it happened. I I, I just can't believe it, and uh, and since then I've gone to uh, on to do so many things. Yeah, uh, sitting on, just sitting on couches mostly. Yeah, we'll need to get to that in another right. episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to devote an episode to that. Sure, but, uh, sure, it'll be a short one. <laughs> you mentioned Fernwood tonight. Now, when you were uh, a kid in the '70s, like we all were, did you watch Fernwood tonight? I, I remember seeing it and being uh, just not just not getting it. I get- I have the same memory. I, I I knew it was funny because the audience was laughing, mm-hmm. but I was yeah. not sure why it was funny. I, I saw an episode where they did uh, their version of Disco Duck, which was pretty popular in the seventies. Um, <laughs> but what, it, what but was, it was the a weird show. show? It was intentionally offbeat. And, what, what was and, it? You know, Can you describe what the show was? The format and everything? I could not. <laughs> wasn't it? Was it like a kind of a fake talk show? Or <laughs> it was a fake talk show, and they had uh, fake guests, uh, some of whom were more effective than others. And and uh, Fred Willard played uh, played the the uh, second banana, the Ed McMahon character on the fake talk show. Ah, okay. And uh, it was just very low key and weird, intentionally so. Um, and we have a clip and we have a clip from it too, right? I I think you do. Yeah, I think we do. Let's take a look at uh, Fred Willard. <laughs> Kids, you should listen to this too because you'll 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 grow old as Remember me, remember me when I have passed away. Remember that I lived and died as you will too one day. If I can write these few short lines, it will not be in vain. If after I am dead and gone, you still recall my name. Remember me. 
And I think it's... Wow, well, well, Jerry, that's actually... Actually, uh, that's actually very pretty. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It's an old poem. Probably some old guy dead and gone. <laughs> Well, that, that's just uh, how he was, you know. Uh, Fred said these crazy things that were mildly offensive and absolutely oblivious to why they would be offensive. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of key to everything that he does. And he's, it's uh, all these other movies, he's always just a little, he's a half step off. He's positive. Uh, always happy, he's, positive, nice always guy. Always happy, yeah. positive, upbeat. Sometimes say just ridiculously uh, wrong things, and there's something joyful about that. Yeah, definitely. And he, uh, the best, uh, his best known stuff is probably Christopher Guest movies, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, where he played different characters every time, but always like just just like you said, uh, kind of the uh, affable nimwit. Uh, <laughs> didn't exactly know uh, what was going on, but. Uh, <clears throat> Always a nice guy and so forth. We have a clip from uh, A Mighty Wind, too. Let's watch that. Yeah. Let's start right out. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I start on a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon. <laughs> and uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year, and that's good because that's how you establish a cult. So I was on stage doing all my shtick, you know, hey, what happened? And I can't do my work. And if someone would heckle me, they'd say, are you going to be on stage all night? I would say, that's right. And that'd crack up the audience. <laughs> well, see, there's another example of him just being amazing. Uh, he's, he's playing this character that is still... Uh, somewhere in the 1970s on a, on a show called what happened and, and he's making fun of catchphrase comedy yeah. while simultaneously creating a catchphrase uh, <laughs> because a lot of people quoted that after he died yeah i know it's, it's remarkable you know he's making fun of different strokes and, and what you talk about willis yeah, yeah. right know, we right. had a lot of fun with other catchphrases like <laughs> what's the point of that it's funny because i because like my uh, mighty wind is uh probably my third favorite movie out of those three. Uh -huh. uh, but that's the thing I remember from Fred Willard always uh, from those movies is what happened? <laughs> yeah, and then his hair's, his, his hair's bleached and spiked because he still has got, he has to be ready for the next version of what happened. <laughs> you know? Yes. There's a lot of thinking going on there. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bob, since we are the pick, we uh -huh. have to ask our guests to pick uh, -huh. uh their favorites and so what is your favorite uh fred willard performance fred willard appearance uh, uh, anything uh well i have three picks um sure uh first one is is uh waiting for guffman uh he he and uh and uh catherine o'hara catherine o'hara yeah. yeah they they play this couple that are they, they uh they're the 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 town entertainers in blaine and uh, they, they're convinced that they're going to be the stars of this big show, and they audition, and, and he's such a terrible husband. There's a, uh, he, he tells her not to trust her instincts before they go into the audition, and then they do this, this kind of hammy, uh, uh, loungy act about uh, midnight on the Oasis, or midnight at the Oasis, which oh is my just, gosh. Ter just terrible. 
and uh, and and I just I love them, and because there's just this slight terrible relationship where she's clearly not being listened to by him. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's another scene that uh, you won't you don't have that uh, uh, he was in a Chinese restaurant with Eugene Levy's character and 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 uh, and uh, talking about a, a penis reduction surgery he recently had. <laughs> and of course his wife is drunk by this time and and, uh, and just it's, it's a brilliant scene. You know what, Bob? You know, I what? have that scene for you. What? Let's look what at happened? Let's what look. happened. Uh, <laughs> what? What just happened? Because when Ron had his surgery, all right, all right, all when right. When Ron had his surgery, I said, "Hey, circumcise it while you're at it." You know, just because yeah, yeah. I've never been with anyone else. Right. Ron's well, the only is, man I've been with. What, what surgery uh, did he have? Nothing. Yeah, I had a little major... minor uh, corrective surgery. Oh, Can really? we have some coffee at this table, please? It's not minor anymore. <clears throat> well, maybe you know we should change no, the subject. It's... I had what, uh, you know, most guys would uh, dream of, you know, I, and I had to have uh, a penis reduction surgery. I'm sorry? Penis reduction, which said, there aren't many. You're going to say I never heard of that because there haven't been many reduction. cases. Oh. Yeah. I said, Ron, oh, no. do something. And he said, why don't you get one of those vagina enlargements? Oh, there. Can we have some coffee over here? <clears throat> have you tried the egg rolls? They're Unbelievable. Good Let me ask you something. You're a medical man. Yes. Uh, I want to ask you something. If you, you oh no, I, I oh for heaven's sake, no, no, no please, I just no. want to do that, doctor. Please, medicine man, not go near dances with Stumpy. Yeah. No. <laughs> also with the uh, great Eugene Levy there. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my god. So yeah, so that's your favorite. What's number two? Um, well, my number two pick is uh, one that I actually hate. Uh, uh, by uh, Fred Willard, and it's uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, of course. It appeared in 1979. Uh, uh, he plays a he plays a real estate salesman in this uh, story based on a uh, Stephen uh, King book. Not funny at all. Ah, yeah. He's he's, he's mm. terrible. There's a point where uh, he has a gun uh, aimed at his head. You'd think he he's Fred Willard. He'd come up with something funny to say, uh, but he didn't. Fell uh, flat, fell flat. Yeah, and so then the vampires got him after that. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. Is probably probably the be- probably for the best. Yeah, he's just dipping yeah. his toe in dramatic roles, or what? What was going on in there? Just... I think they paid him for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the other person who was also terribly unfunny in that movie, uh, uh, James. Uh, <laughs> shit. James Sorry. Mason. James Mason. Oh yes, James Mason. <laughs> what a pill! It's terrible. Yes. Oh, that that oh, English accent. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, I was not thrilled. I mean, that was probably Fred Willard's low point. You have to discuss the lows if you're gonna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, right. It's a new take on the list, on the pick list, but uh, I get it. Okay. And, and then, the, uh, then his. Oh, we like your one. we like your strategy, Bob. You're setting up this next. That's pick true because taking, you can't yeah, just like be everything can't be. Great. Great. He was a human being. Right. right. Uh, so the last one uh, would be best in show. He was brilliant in that. Very uh, funny. The, the announcer and they had him uh, sitting next to a guy who actually believed in these dog shows <laughs> and didn't see them for as ridiculous as they are. And uh, <laughs> and so he he starts commenting and making up ideas about how the dog show might be better. And uh, and there's there's nothing more brilliant. He just takes off on it and uh, and. Um, 
I, I really think that sometimes uh, the Oscars should look at comic performances a little bit more uh, seriously because oh, he, absolutely. He, he was just fantastic in it. And we, was. you know, for the people that don't watch these shows, we haven't mentioned yet that the majority of the dialogue in these movies is uh, improv. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, they, they give general, generally what you're supposed to, uh, the characters yeah. are supposed to achieve, but a lot of what they're saying is just made up on the spot. Yeah. In the Chinese uh, restaurant scene, uh, when Catherine O'Hara says it's not minor anymore, uh, she was implying that she, she uh, he got his penis enlarged, but he went in. The, you, you could hear him change it, where he <laughs> yeah. he, went, he went in another direction because you don't want to go with the obvious. You know, you want to go with something a little bit more uh, unexpected, which was that. And then, and then at the end of it, he just he decides he needs to show it to a medical professional. Right. And Eugene Levy's character is a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's so much joy oh my god but yeah the uh, best in show uh, it's worth everybody's time well Bob thanks for coming on talking about uh, Fred Willard it's, uh, he, he will be missed and I'm glad we got your uh, first hand perspective on him oh Fred was great he, a nice person that's the thing that most everybody will say about him he was a, a nice human being and for them to let me on the show, I got coffee for people when I wasn't acting on the show. Yeah. And, and I had made uh, Martin laugh, and that made me happy. Whenever I could make mm. one of those guys laugh, that was it. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And then for, for, me, for them to let me sit on the couch, it, it's, uh, um, it's, it's joyful uh, for me. I, and we'll um, have to put uh, on our website the episodes that you are in because these are viewable for free on uh, voodoo.com. That's nice. that's V-U-D-U dot com. Yes. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, we'll list the episodes you were in so people can check it out. Okay. All right, Bob, thanks. Thank very much. Cool, Bob. Good to see you again. Good to see you guys. Okay, great to hear from Bob. And uh, the extra stuff we recorded for the website was pretty awesome. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere for me, but it was amazing. Me it's too, really... me too. I, I kind of thought we'd maybe just talk about Fred Willard more, but we really, he really got into his days on The Roseanne Show. Yeah, it was really an amazing look behind the scenes and the depth of just understanding what was going on on the sets of those shows was hilarious, but really insightful, too. Excellent. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, It's on our website, thepickcast.com, under episodes on episode nine. And see extended interview with Bob Fuller. And now we will proceed to our world-famous segment, Pick It or Kick It. And the first uh, movie we have up this week is Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Can't put it out another day. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. Anyway. Dirty man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. The movie is The Five Bloods. It's the latest Spike Lee joint, and it's about four Vietnam vets in present day returning to the scene of the war, Vietnam, and looking to collect the remains of their fallen comrade, their squad leader. And that's who you heard referred to in that clip as the greatest damn soldier ever. Uh, He's the fifth member of the Five Bloods. Turns out, though, what they're really after is a fortune of gold that they buried there during the war. 
And uh, these four guys are played brilliantly by uh, Delroy Lindo, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And the fifth blood, Storm and Norman, is played in flashbacks by Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. We got a couple clips here. The first is when the guys first meet up at the hotel. It's so good to see y'all. This is some shit. I'm telling you, this is Stone Cold Trip being back here in country. Mm, baby, we got off that plane. Got a heat, hit me upside the head, skabop. Uh, Just like in 68. Yeah, yeah, brother man. We are back. The blood is back. My blood don't die. We just multiply. Yeah, yeah. Soon to be fine. <laughs> Amen, man. And uh, this next clip is uh, when uh, Delray Lindo's character talks about the ghosts that still haunt him from the war. I see ghosts, y'all. I see ghosts. What happens uh, to all of us, man? Have you seen them too? Yeah. Huh? They had come to you at night. Huh? Storm and Norm comes to me down there every night. Now he talked to you like he talked to me. Come on. Come I don't on. think so. Come on. This up. So, uh, Kevin, we got another uh, Spike Lee joint here uh, since uh, his first uh, big production since uh, Black Klansman, and I think it's uh, excellent, brilliant. No, I would, yeah, no, I would, I would rank it up there among his best. Absolutely, um, you know, a couple things to prepare the audience. It's it's long. Uh, it's sort of an epic uh, saga, if you will. Unbelievable performances, as you mentioned, by the five themselves. First, leading that pack, definitely Delroy Lindo. Amazing powerhouse performance by him. But in each uh, character, you experience something unique. That's one of the things I really liked about it. Even even uh, Eddie, who's played by Norm Lewis, and Melvin, who's played by Isa Whitlock, Initially, they don't seem to be that prominent of characters. They're more background characters. But before the story is over, you, you're you amazed at what you learn about them. Other thing I would say is be prepared. Really, Jeff, some of the most uh, intense, I'll just say intense war imagery I've seen on film. It's interesting when you said one of his best, you know, and I hadn't, I hadn't actually thought uh, yet of where it ranks in his movies. And I still have that block when mm. a movie comes out on television, which is really <laughs> what we're watching Netflix on, that it is just a little bit less than everything else. But when you said that, I, I thought quickly, uh, I just think through my favorite movies of his, and you, and you know what, you're right. And and uh, it's interesting how, I mean, at least with me, I don't know if everyone else, but uh, like The Irishman was Gorsese big movie, and I'm just like, when it was announced, it's like, oh, it's going to be on Netflix, though. It's just like something mm. less than that, but... You're right. This is one of his best films, and I was not expecting that, probably because it's on TV. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Well, yeah. It's a transition, I think. I I didn't feel that as much as you did, um, and I think over time that's going to be less and less as streaming just becomes the thing. You know, We talked a little bit earlier in the episode about where the industry is going, and you know, one of the potential outcomes we might see is that streaming is just – uh, at, maybe not quite on the same level as theatrical release, but it's it's going to have its own level of significance. It's an important film to watch too, because Spike is really saying a lot in his movies these days, and I think um, this is his like Vietnam picture, which it seems like every big director has to have eventually. Uh, but he, yeah. but it's an excellent approach because he's able to honor the black men who served there, but he sets it in modern day. 
So it's uh, giving us a proper historical perspective on that and the fact that they were not, weren't always respected when, when they came back. And, of course, yeah. now landing uh, at a time now where race uh, divisions in this country are top of line for everyone, fortuitous timing. I was, I was pretty surprised by that. But uh, just I, I really like this approach to a, a war picture and also the way that he handles the flashbacks where the screen gets smaller and this film mm-hmm. gets film gets grainier. It really worked well. But his filmmaking, since the beginning, it's just poetic. It's operatic. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, just beautiful the way that he will build these characters. And something new that he's done a lot with this and Black Klansman lately is he'll throw in a lot of newsreel footage and still photos when the characters talk about real events and real real people. He'll throw in actual footage of those people almost as if that's what they're thinking as they talk about it. Um, and it really works well in a film like this that touches a lot in our history. So uh, A-plus, definitely yep. a pick for me. Yet another, uh, to me, testament to what a great actor Chad Bozeman is. He's he's a prominent character in the story. You don't see him that much, but when he's on screen, he's captivating. Fantastic actor. And then just kind of a funny little quip. Have you seen a movie where Jean Reno is not a bad guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I have it. Yes. My, one of my favorite movies, Ronan with Robert oh, De Niro. Okay. Although they all are bad guys. They're all criminals. But <laughs> right. he's, he's one of the heroes of the story. So. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not, not, right, not much. Her- yeah, he just yet again turns out to be this guy you meet. And then later he's basically a dick. But you may be overlooking uh, his biggest role ever, The Professional, where he's a hitman, but he's a very he's the sympathetic character in that movie so if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the professional definitely check that out well i want to give the guy fair treatment so i'll definitely (laughs) check both of those out he's good as bad though (laughs) oh yeah yeah no i mean you know what you're getting and he didn't he didn't let you down all right so our next film is on amazon prime it's an uh, amazon original called the vast of night 718 here at wotw we got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. They've come here before. They've liked this place. They always have. So Vast of Night is a interesting show. It takes place in a small fictional town in New Mexico on a summery Friday night in the heart of the Cold War 50s. Most of the town is huddled together in a high school gym to watch a basketball game, but the radio DJ and switchboard operator have to work. And the movie is framed as an episode of a Twilight Zone-like TV show called The Vast of Night, and we even see some of the scenes played out uh, on an old black-and-white TV screen. Aspects of this film reminded me of American Graffiti, Orson Welles' famous radio play of War of the Worlds, and even an episode of the recent Twin Peaks sequel series, which also centered on a small town radio station. It's really, I thought, an interesting approach and an excellent debut by this first time director, uh, Andrew Patterson. This worked for me on so many levels because, and I, and I, I couldn't help but think that this was made with streaming and earbuds and headphones in, in, in mind because that clip you just played had uh, some of the best moments I thought in that movie that were essentially voice track moments. Uh, callers to the radio show, the uh, older war veteran who's calling in and talking about the sound that they're picking up there in the valley. And then the woman that we meet later, the older woman who has this history of whatever this sound turns out to be, 
there's just so much that they are able to accomplish with just these, just the the talking of of and the storytelling of these characters. I will say too, to whoever checks this out, give it a little bit of time. The first five minutes, maybe a little bit more, were a little tough. Of you're just, I felt like I was just getting bombarded with kind of gibberish dialogue as they're they're setting up for a basketball game. Well, you see, and- you see, uh, I love that stuff though because I mean, I, I just the way that that all that stuff was made, it felt so period perfect. Just the, mm-hmm. the feel of uh, the dialogue they all had, the frenetic uh, activity of the radio guys setting up to broadcast the basketball game, um, mm-hmm. and just, just kind of the nonstop pace. I just I thought it just worked really well. But you're right, there's a lot of people in rooms talking in this movie. It's not an action movie. It's not a, a sci-fi laser shoot-up or anything. It's like kind of a throwback to old-school science fiction. Oh, for I sure. Think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically... But they use modern filming film techniques to great effect. I mean, just some amazing camera work in this, including a shot where you go from the switchboard operator and the camera travels all the way across town to the radio station. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it doesn't follow any characters or anything. It goes through the game, through the basketball game, through the entire gym building, out the back window. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch some of the stuff they did on this film. And even though a lot of the alien stuff is somewhat cliched from a movie perspective it's mm-hmm. all all told told from a unique uh filmmaking perspective well and the end is so appropriate i again don't <laughs> want to give anything away but i i just love the way they didn't oversell it or they yeah. didn't go too far in ending this film i thought they ended it on a perfect tone and in, in with perfect perfect visuals and just just tied a nice neat little bow on. And uh, yeah, and Will Smith doesn't show up and punch the main, main alien, <laughs> right. so none of that right. stuff. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more about just the 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 homage to older filmmaking and to a different different time and just a different pace of life. Uh, when and and capturing, I think that feel of a small town when just things like a basketball game were the biggest thing going in a community on a particular night. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. And and the two uh, actors, uh, the DJs played by Jake Horowitz and the switchboard operator played by uh, Sierra McCormick, and they're both great. And she's really great in a, a, especially a nine minute uh, shot of her just her at the switchboard, which I'm going to play a little bit of a clip here from. This lady called. She said there was something going on out of town. And she was going down to her cellar, and then that sound came through on her line. Then I called Ethel because she's babysitting Maddie, and her line got cut. And when did you say my show got cut into? Right at the beginning of the news. All right, well, I didn't hear it in my headphones, but it's closed circuit in this room, so if it went out from the station, it'll be recorded on playback. So you stay on the line while I rewind it and play it back, and I'll let you know if I hear anything. Okay. This is VOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Boeing has introduced its new line of... That was it, that was it. Whoa, what? That was it, it came through just like that. I'll be. What, why is it bad? That's a good question. If it's foreign or cold, you better believe the Air Force will be coming to town. Really? Oh, yeah. We get in trouble? We haven't done anything. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. Send me that signal again and I'll put it on the air. I mean, if anyone's out there listening, maybe they'll know something. And you sure you won't get in trouble? I don't care if you do this. Is good radio. It's good radio. <laughs> I love that. Good yeah, radio. I I, that brought a smile to my face. I love that too. I, I also love how the uh, radio station is uh, WOTW, War of yeah. the War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, it, I, I had to think about that too as well. And as uh, 
As, uh, Although, it's in New Mexico. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if New Mexico station has a W yeah, at the exactly. beginning of its call sign. I think it's all, it should have been K. But, you know, <laughs> it, yes, it should have. Suspend your disbelief. They, they right? didn't care for that. <laughs> but no, they, no. And I also loved uh, how they actually, uh, technology was a big part of this. I mean, she the beginning sequence is about her wanting to learn how to operate this tape recorder that she has. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking through town, she's basically ruminating about an article she read and about how future technology, and she basically describes an iPhone. <laughs> right, and and right. she's talking and it's uh, really a, a cute way to tie in the uh, technology they use in this movie so anyway this is called Vast of Night seek it out on uh, Amazon Prime it's definitely something to, to watch okay as we continue on in our pick it or kick it segment a few quick picks here as we wrap it up here and the first is uh, from ESPN uh, you know I've been going on and on about uh, uh, the Last Dance, they followed that up with a documentary about Bruce Lee, and it's called Be Water. Only one episode, it's not a series, and great story. Again, the timing is amazing on this, Jeff, because of all that's going on in terms of social justice issues in the country right now, and you get a you get an incredible look at America through the eyes of, again, a person of color, but in this in this case, Somebody from the Far East. Uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot about Bruce Lee. I did know how he, you know, born in San Francisco, then back to China for some movies, and back to the, the states, and then back to China again, just to build his career. But uh, the documentary uh, documentary filmmaker makes an uh, interesting choice of never showing any of the interview subjects. He always keeps the focus on Bruce Lee and uh, lots of amazing footage from both his films and screen tests and so forth. Interesting documentary. Definitely look for that on ESPN. And the next movie is uh, Just Mercy, and Kevin and I uh, both were prompted to watch this mainly because it uh, was released for free by uh, Warner Brothers uh, when it's normally on pay-per-view window right now, but uh, given everything that's happening in the country, it was released for free, and it is about a civil rights story from the 90s, actually, um, about uh, prison inmate Walter McMillan in real life, um, who was sentenced to death for a crime he likely didn't commit, and uh, Michael B. Jordan plays a lawyer who wants to help him get exonerated, basically, and Jamie Foxx plays the uh, inmate. Excellent movie, pretty much down the line, great filmmaking, great acting, and honestly, I didn't know all the ins and outs of this story, and even though I could have easily looked it up, I kind of like watching a movie like this to keep me in a bit of suspense. I really like the aspect of the story of racism that they took on really, to me, was the manipulation of the system and the suppression of the minority population in the Deep South through the careful selection of witnesses who essentially would help law enforcement uh, reach, reach a solution, regardless of whether it was the truth or not. To me, that really is what stuck out about this movie and I thought really told an aspect of the struggle of black people in America um, that doesn't get told enough. Yes, and this was the 90s. This wasn't the 60s and the 70s where you see a lot of these movies take place. This was so recently, and the systemic racism that was built into the town and the police force and everything, truly shocking. Very good point. That that definitely was right. So that's called Just Mercy, available on pay-per-view. I don't know how much longer they will leave it on there for free, but uh, be sure to check it out, although it is worth uh, renting as well. And uh, so we've had four pickets in a row, uh, Defy Bloods, The Vast of Night, Be Water, and Just Mercy. And I just have one kicket. Okay. <laughs> it's a big one. It's uh, the new Netflix comedy Space Force with Steve Carell. This got a lot of press because it got Steve Carell uh, in the, back in his first comedy series since The Office. 
Um, hmm. And it's also very timely in that it is basically riffing on the actual Space Force that President Trump has just created a few months ago. And this show is already airing. I would almost say to watch the first episode because there definitely are some jokes that land and just the way they approach the whole thing is funny. They don't mention Trump by name, but they make a little bit of fun of him. But they also make some of some Democrats too. Like there's a character that's supposed to be like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and she's kind of played as a dimwit. And it's it's kind of, it's, it spreads the love. But it just doesn't really, it's just not really that strong. It's kind of disappointing to see that after the expectations of the office that it just kind of falls flat but and i thought the second episode was just awful so i would say if you want to check it out watch the first one but be very careful if you go beyond that one yeah remember this is a kick it so you know if there's 10 or 12 ahead of it on your list we get it and it does actually feature fred willard's probably maybe his last performance in the first two or three episodes and it's it's nice to see him in in a a small but noticeable role it's funny to see him again but yeah and i believe he i believe he was actually once in a show called space that's right he was he was on a tv show or tv movie i think maybe called space force uh, like 20 30 years ago and now he was in this series so anyway that one's a kick but uh, otherwise lots of good stuff to check out right now want to go through a few other picks and or kicks that i've been watching um as i've told kevin i watch a lot of tv it's about a 10 to 1 ratio you yeah, to me uh, probably yeah. you can even call me a uh, tv watching motherfucker <laughs> i think you're more of a like a streamaholic or a bingeaholic maybe? i could that... be i could be okay. but i pride myself in trying to pick only interesting or good things to stream like Rambo? Yeah, see, there you go. You're going to hold that one over for me. Well, <laughs> I can't let you forget. I, I know. Sometimes if it's if, even if it's bad, if it's got action, I'll watch it, which is I just feel compelled whenever you whenever you try to play that snobby I only watch with the critics yeah, like yeah. Oh yeah, well, I don't I, I just don't mention them all here and and now I've learned not to mention some in front of you for constant <laughs> to avoid constant ridicule. Anyway, here's a few here's a few quick picks for me. These are and these are picks. I will get to a couple of kicks. Zero, zero, zero is a series on Amazon Prime. It's basically the 2000 Steven Soderbergh movie Traffic about the drug trade put into series form. It's modern day and it is excellent. It covers the whole process of drug trafficking from the buyers to the sellers, the brokers, the traffickers. It takes place uh, in New Orleans, Mexico, in uh, Italy and Africa. It is sprawling, and I think it's just a triumph. And I'm just kind of surprised Amazon Prime didn't make a bigger deal out of it. And I hope that it comes back. It's called 000 on Amazon Prime. And the next one is Into the Night on Netflix. This is kind of a combination of the TV show 24 and a Twilight Zone episode on an airplane. It has the same TikTok action as 24. A group of passengers, international group of passengers, take off from Brussels and realize that the sun is killing everyone in sight as it rises across the the world. So they must outrace the sun in the airplane and circumnavigate the globe. It's quick half hour episodes. It goes by pretty quickly. It's a lot of fun. I recommend Into the Night on Netflix. Is that a foreign language? 
Is that into the night? Is that foreign language? Uh, um, yeah, actually, zero 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 is, is it has uh, English, Italian, and Spanish. Uh, into the night has about twelve different languages, primarily in French, but there is a fair amount of English and a smattering of other languages too. Of course, both these shows can be watched either subtitling or dubbing. Again, don't let that detract you because you miss some really good programming if you are put off by subtitles or dubbing. And Into the Night, I think, is a great example of a show that um, is a lot of fun. And no one that speaks any language can watch it all in their language because there's so many ones mixed in, but primarily French and secondly, English. Four More Shots, Please, is another one about language, at least from my perspective. This one's on Amazon Prime, and it's basically sex in the city with four Indian women in Mumbai. It's kind of interesting because Indian cinema and television does not really focus too much with uh, sex or uh, romance and things. And this show pretty much goes all out like Sex and the City did. It's a little over the top for me as far as the characters and uh, the humor doesn't always land right, but it is a great recreation of Sex and the City. And the interesting thing about these characters, they live in an upscale portion of Mumbai and Everyone speaks a combination of the, the native language and English, and it is often every sentence has half and half. Every single character that is in the show will switch between the languages uh, very fluidly, even mid-sentence. And to me, that's just fascinating to watch. Um, it's more interesting to watch than the show, but I recommend everyone check out at least the first episode. It's called Four More Shots, Please, on Amazon Prime. Another one I've, I watched was called Lambs of God, and this is on topic. Yet another subscription service where you can do the one-week free trial and knock this one out because it's only four episodes. It's about three nuns who are secluded on this old monastery on an island off Tasmania. And they have basically been there for decades, uh, hidden from the world, and their their world is sort of turned upside down when a priest shows up to assess the property so they could sell it to a luxury hotel chain. <laughs> so it starts off kind of like almost like this religious supernatural horror show, but that kind of quickly changes as they take the uh, priest captive so he won't go back and reveal their existence. Um, and then it turns into more of a potboiler, really, in the second episode when we start to see characters on the mainland wondering where the priests went. And the show gets better as it goes on and to be a really crackling fun time. It's on topic. You can get topic on most of your services. And there is a week free trial. After that, it's something like uh, $7.99 a month or something. So anyway, I felt this was one of the better shows of the year so far, Lambs of God. And then Penny Dreadful on Showtime. Now, Penny Dreadful was a show that started in 2014. It took place in 1800s London, pretty much involved like Dracula and other characters around the main characters. Um, that went three seasons. Then this version came back. It's called Penny Dreadful City of Angels, and it takes place in 1938 Los Angeles. I don't think it's the greatest show plot-wise, but there's some interesting things about it. First of all, it features Nathan Lane as a hard-nosed Jewish detective, not the kind of character he normally plays, and he's excellent at it. The lead is Natalie Dormer of Game of Thrones fame. She plays a demon, which puts the show apart from a regular show about Los Angeles, but and she actually embodies five different characters in the show, clearly going for her Emmy, but she's really good too. And it's basically about politics in Los Angeles of 1930s when they're trying to build new freeways, race war and clashes between Latinos and the white uh, mayor. 
And besides those two actors I mentioned, it's also got a lot for Los Angeles film fetishists because it really whoa, does. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> film what? Los Angeles fetishists. Film fetishists. Can you, can you even say that? I yeah, that's okay. a word. Fetishists. Okay. All right. No, I just didn't know if there was in the process <laughs> you were using one of the words you can't use on TV. Well, Michael Mann makes movies that are great for Los Angeles film fetishists too. I mean, that's true. You know, fetishists. Like, uh, heat wow. and okay. heat and uh, collateral are, are two of my favorite films, largely because of the way they portray the city. But this one actually uses real locations and dresses it up like the 30s. And there's so many beautiful buildings like that still in Los Angeles, like even the courthouse they show, the modern day courthouse was there in the 30s. And it really portrays not only a lot of the history that really happened there, but also a lot of on a lot of the same locations. And uh, it's just gorgeous in that sense. And I've enjoyed watching it for that because for me, the plot is a little bit lacking. So if you're interested in seeing that kind of period show and some pretty good performances, check out Penny Dreadful City of Angels on Showtime. And I also should mention, um, since we talked about Bong Joon-ho so much, Snowpiercer actually was his, uh, so far his only English language movie. There is There are Korean characters in it uh, with a little bit of Korean, but it is a predominantly English movie. He also did, though, a movie in 2017 called Okja, which is a little bit more of a lighthearted tale about an animatronic super pig. I mean, in the show, in the movie, it's a real animal, but it's animatronic in the uh, production. And it's half Korean, half English language show, another crazy performance by uh, Tilda Swinton too. It is fun. It's a joy. It's not as heavy as his other movies, not as violent. Definitely check that one out too. And my final kick, which is only, it's, it's kind of hard to kick this because there's a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. And I know you saw it too, Kevin. It's Joker, the movie. Really? Yes. Now I'm reviewing, we're, we're bringing it up now because it just became free on uh, cable services. So it's on, uh, I actually don't know which one it's on HBO or Showtime, but I finally watched it because I hadn't paid for it before. And don't get me wrong. It's a well-done movie. Joaquin Phoenix, definitely a great performance. But I just really felt it was pretty empty. It just empty, felt yeah. it, it was a movie about a guy going crazy. And really, there's not much more you can say about it. I, again, I know a lot of people have seen it. I know it got a lot of top 10 lists. I think it's a little bit of an interesting take on maybe how the Joker was created when we have all these other superhero movies going on around us, mm-hmm. but um, it's not a superhero movie. It's no, just, no. It's just no, no. basically a uh, psychological and at times very violent uh, movie about a guy going nuts. And there wasn't much more there for me than that. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. Um, you liked it. The, I did. I thought the performance obviously was the central reason why it was it was so well done. I think it's one of those rare films where one actor, I think, is I'm pretty sure he's in every single scene. Pretty much, yeah. For me, it was it was uh, a movie about cruelty uh, as much as it was mental illness too. Right. And I thought I thought there was some some commentary in there just about the societal treatment of people who are are struggling, and so that that gave it a little bit more depth. Uh, for me, it's not a kick it for me. It's definitely one I would recommend. Yeah, it's a, it's a borderline kick for me. We kind of need a middle category. I don't know. Mm. Um, okay, so as we as we reference the ratio here of of Jeff picks to Kevin picks appropriately, uh, you just heard of eight, I believe, from Jeff. Thanks for counting. Yes, I'm going to give you two. <laughs> the new one is Ford versus Ferrari. And this what this film was nominated for Best Picture. It stars uh, Christian Bale and Matt Damon. It's 
described in all the promotional materials as a sports drama, but to me it's really more about uh, Christian Bale's character, who is a genius and helps uh, the Ford racing team topple the powerhouse uh, Ferrari racing team in Formula One racing. Did you just give away the ending? Uh, no, because it was, it's based on an actual thing that happened. So I didn't actually know who went on the end. So it's like, I always thought that I was know. kind of the rule that if it's, if it's, you know, like with JFK, you, you well, knew what was coming, right? Yeah. Okay. So it, it was based on an actual there incident. Are, there are levels of, of, of knowledge though. Like, do you, everyone mm-hmm. knows he was assassinated. Does everyone know that, uh, Ford beat Ferrari in the final uh, showdown of this movie? Well, they sure do now after listening <laughs> to this episode of The Pick. <laughs> I would have guessed it to be the case. Because um, uh, if Ferrari just ended up winning anyway, it wouldn't have been much of a story. It's it? Yeah, and it's certainly promoted as a as a triumph. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't fall into that sort of formulaic, in, in my opinion, at least formulaic kind of feel-good Disney-esque sports movie. Some things happened to, to a couple of the key characters that – that really prevent it from being in any way a uh, powder puff sports movie. I am going to pick a sports movie again for my, my older pick. This one's a, this one is one that's uh, will, will be one of those films that I will watch again and again and again for the rest of my life. And it's 42. It's the Jackie Robinson story from 2013. It's the story of the first black major league baseball player so much of the story is about the struggle to do that and all of the weight and burden that goes on this one individual, Jackie Robinson, who is used to a way of life uh, as a black man living on the West Coast that is more, I would say, more relaxed in terms of racial tension than what he experiences when he goes to cities like Philadelphia and to New York and to the Deep South for uh, spring training in Florida uh, baseball is just the subtext of this movie. It's an important movie, I think, particularly uh, at the time of this recording, what's going on in our country in terms of racial tension. Um, it really is an important watch to help understand the totality of the experience of black people in America. And it has Black Panther in it. Yes, Chad Bozeman actually is, this is really, a, you know, Black Panther took him to the stratosphere, I think, in terms of stardom. But he really broke, I think, onto the scene with 42. Yeah. And it's it's a powerful, very powerful performance. There's one scene in particular where he's being uh, ridiculed when he's at, at bat by a racist uh, manager for the Philadelphia team. It's painful still to watch. They execute the scene so effectively um, that that's what makes it great is that it's still very uncomfortable and very painful to watch the experience of this individual doing something uh, so pivotal to uh, the black experience in the United States. So go to our website, thepickcast.com to see more because that's all the time we have today on The Pick. Remember, you can see an extended video of our Fred Willard tribute with Bob Fuller on our website also, so check that out. Again, that's thepickcast.com. Music on The Pick is by Audio Nautics. Additional music by Harrison Lynham. Please follow us on Twitter at The Pickcast. Like us on Facebook at The Pickcast. And subscribe to our website, thepickcast.com. And look out for our next episode. Until then, I'm Jeff Payne. I'm Kevin Toon. So long, everybody. Bye-bye.